Welcome to My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast. Today we're absolutely thrilled because we are joined by the three men who brought together one of the favourite podcasts from the series, which is Hunting Warhead. So we're joined today by Chris Oak, Damon Fearless, and Hocken Hoidel. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Welcome, welcome. We're all spread all over the globe tonight, so I wonder if we could go around the room, as it were, and just introduce yourselves and let us know where you're dialing in from. Chris, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Chris Oak and I'm a uh, senior producer at CBC Podcasts. I'm calling in from Toronto, Canada. I'm Damon Fairless. Um, I'm the host of Hunting Warhead and a senior producer at CBC Podcasts. And I'm calling in from a little town called Stouffville, which is just north of Toronto. Hi, my name is uh, Håkon Heidel and I'm from uh, from Norway. I guess I'm just uh, in the middle of uh, between between Canada and, and Australia. So it's uh, three in the afternoon here. Oh, beautiful. And it's midnight in Brisbane. And James, you're in Perth. Yeah, I am Perth. It's uh, 10, 10.05 here right now. So we definitely are mixing up those time zones as best <laughs> as possible. Which might explain why it's taken us a while to get you guys all on a call because we first contacted you back in, I think, March or April this year. And a few months yeah. later, here we are. So thank you so much. We've been <laughs> dying to do this interview with you. So we're absolutely over the moon that we finally get to speak to you guys. Thanks. Now, you, you're probably all really familiar with how much of an impact your podcast has had on the world. From all your feedback that you've gotten since the podcast has been released, what's been some of your standout comments or, or bit of feedback that you've actually received individually? Maybe I could go. Like, I, I, I think that the biggest surprise for me was um, sort of two things. I, th I think one was the, the people, like certain members of my family, maybe who I would think like, would avoid this topic completely who you know listen to the podcast and, and like I've worked in podcasts for a long time and my family never listens to any of my work oh. um, which is a, which is a bit heartbreaking yeah. but yeah but like this this one you know seemed to connect and and uh, and people um, really appreciated it in, in, in a way that uh, that was that was nice and then the the other thing and probably more important I had a you know, Hawken probably gets this all the time because he, he's worked on this topic for longer. The people, close friends and people I've known for a long time who have reached out to say, you know, like stuff like this is, has happened to me or, or someone that I that they know. And um, it really just hits home how how widespread the problem really is. So, yeah, that, that was that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, well, awesome. Thank you, Chris. I know that when I um, was listening to the podcast, definitely drudged up a few personal memories within my family unit. And mm. yeah, it just was such a powerful podcast in terms of that impact. So we also, if I, if I can too, we also got, I'd get emails. I'm sure Chris and Hulkin, you have too, but people listening to it and then wondering what they could do to help. So I felt like one of the things that I guess, you know, when we were making the thing, uh, there was a lot of deliberation about whether people would actually listen to it, just given that the mm. topic, right? And so the, the fact that people listened to it was itself a big success and uh, we felt an important metric of our impact. But then, you know, people would listen to it and I think they felt compelled to, to help. And so I, I don't know, I can't remember a project I've worked on, a journalistic project I've worked on where people wanted to you know, where, where our work had that kind of immediate impact. So that, that felt pretty great too. And what do you tell them, Damon, in terms of how they can help? Well, I mean, I point them to, I think, often local organizations. We've gotten a lot of emails from people in the States, and so I'll, I'll put them kind of link them up with local organizations that are, are fighting this. We've also had kind of remarkably people come forward, wealthy people who want to help. And one of the things we were able to do was to link them with uh, researchers who uh, I think one, one of the things that we, we talked a lot about in the team, uh, the core team here, was the importance of uh, research into prevention, right? Because we deal with uh, pedophilia and, and child abuse and internet child abuse after the fact so often, right? But the real, the real key for 
for us was think about like, how do you, how do you prevent this? Right. And there's not really a lot of research into that. They're just beginning pilot programs scattered throughout the world. So having people want to help and be able to link them to those kind of preventative programs were, were pretty, felt like that was a good impact. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. How about for you, Hopmokin? What's been some of your most impactful feedback that you've received since the project was released? Yeah, I, I actually got a got a message just the other day from uh, from someone who says that uh, told told me that he he was a survivor from abuse himself, and and that he had listened to the story and and uh, and that that it had given him it it felt really meaningful for him to be able to, to that someone had made a story uh, about experiences mm. that uh, were quite similar to his, and and, and for me, I. That felt quite important to me. I think we've also been contacted by by uh, by law enforcement who um, who told us that that they that this story has made them you know made it more meaningful to them to continue working on this subject. So so that's also important. I think. Wow, it's so cool. And I'll link back to what you said before, Chris, because this was our third episode that we did, and we're now up to episode thirty-seven. And it's probably one of the episodes that keeps coming up for us in terms of new friends that start listening to the podcast. They're like, "Wow, I got to episode three. <laughs> and episode three is this episode that just seems to be coming up for us all the time. Episode three, wow, episode three. And I think it's because, as you mentioned, Damon, it's not really a it's a subject that people talk about all too often. When you were first deliberating as to bringing this to life how you figured out whether this was going to be something that you actually put your effort into in the first place like and turn into a podcast yeah i'll speak for a second then defer maybe to chris because i was actually brought in i was kind of the last link in the chain here there was first Hawkins' remarkable investigative work and then Hawkins contacted cbc and at the time i was freelancing so cbc came to i think they were looking for a host who wanted to do something on this topic and they correct me if i'm wrong chris but i think that a lot of people deferred because they didn't want to be associated with the topic so from my from my experience when it was presented to me i read Hawkins' article and i thought wow this is just amazing journalism and it's an amazing story. And I, I, I also have a background uh, researching and writing about um, violence, in particular male violence. And so I was, re- I thought, well, this is an opportunity to use a true crime story to get into some stuff we need to talk about. Um, but I think before I ever came on board, uh, there was a lot of deliberation about whether this could even be uh, you know, a series that a public broadcaster could be part of it. And Chris, you're probably the best guy to talk about that. Yeah, well, like there, there definitely was, um, there were a lot of discussions about whether or not it was a topic we should take on. And, and, uh, um, you know, there were, there were certain people on the team that were, were dead set against it. And we, we had these <laughs> somewhat heated meetings at, at, at times. Um, but I, I think it ended up, making the podcast once once we decided to actually go forward with it it ended up making it much stronger um you could sort of see a lot of the concerns um and you know areas of sensitivity right from the beginning and we were you know able to to work around that i i think the main the main thing was uh, you know that we, we dealt with this all the way through but the main thing is is trying to present the problem in an accurate way, like to not sugarcoat it, to not gloss over the, the details of, of how terrible this stuff really is without, um, w- w- without too much. Like you, you really don't need that many details in order to, 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 to show you, you know, how terrible it is. So, um, fi- finding, finding that balance, you know, portraying it accurately, but, but also not overdoing it, not turning people off. Or, or not p- having people not want to listen so that, you know, they don't, don't end up, you know, learning about, about this very real problem. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think, you know, our main strategy is, as Damon sort of alluded to was to couch it in a true crime sort of structure. And so that instead of saying, Hey, here's a story about a pedophile who did terrible things and um instead it's it's about these journalists that are looking into this issue and then these police officers who are trying to stop it and then once you get to that point once i think you know around episode three we have a bit of a turn where you know you you realize okay this is a huge widespread problem and we're we're really only dealing with it after abuses have already taken place how can we um let's look deeper at this and find out if if there's a way that we can we can prevent it in the first place. Um, so, 
So yeah, but I mean, like from for, for me personally, uh, when when Hawkins sent that email and and shared his his article, like I I immediately thought like this this is a podcast the the way he he wrote it and and in English no less um, like right for right from that first scene um, I, I you know I could I could hear it I could see it uh, it was it was you know almost cinematic so um, yeah I mean you, you responded yeah. really quickly I, I think you you. <laughs> I mean, I sent you the story and I, I think it took you, uh, you know, 10 days or, or something. And then you had made the draft for, for the entire podcast series. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, so you were, I mean, you really, uh, you saw the story immediately. Wow. And why did you decide to go to CBC? Well, I mean, Warhead is Canadian uh, and, uh, and, and CBC, I mean, they have a, a great uh, record of, 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 I mean, uh, of good podcasts. So you had no previous friendship or relationships with anyone? No, nothing, nothing. Uh, um, so, but, but I mean, I've, um, I was I was really amazed by by how how quick they responded uh, to you know and and saw the, saw saw the potential in this story. Yeah. You might have to send out your uh, your draft as a uh, bit of a template for people to get to the top of the list <laughs> <laughs> at podcast houses. Um, how do you how do you be seen when it comes yeah. to journalism? No, I mean. I, I, I mean, sure. That's that's. Uh, I, I mean, that, that's difficult. I, I I know that because um, I mean, uh, I, I would guess they they get flooded by by you know ideas and and suggestions. Um, so, um, but I mean, if you have a good story, I guess it helps. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. It's just a, an amazing story. I I like I and Chris. I mean, Chris did a great job of I think responding really quickly, and he's a master of figuring out how to build things in a cinematic way. But the fact is, is like, I think I was, I was a uh, one screen deep in the story when I was like, Oh my God, this like the Hawkins work and Einar, his colleagues work is so amazing that it, it was like, for me, a no brainer. It was just amazing journalistic work. So I think that's the key to a good pitch is have a really good story and <laughs> yeah. really good journalistic it kind of, work. Right? Kind of makes sense. Like it kind yeah. of makes sense. <laughs> I'm interested to find out from each of you what has been the personal impact on you having to either be the host, Damon, I know you had to speak to Ben and obviously um, Hakon, you had to go through the investigation. If I'm correct in thinking you were actually looking at images, but you'd actually been able to remove the image. So you were just looking at the data. It is a very sensitive topic and you were obviously investigating this in such a way that you were exposed to some horrific stories and I'm supposing parts of it could not be, could not even be voiced in the podcast. I I think if you want to talk about, you know, talking to Ben and getting phone calls at all hours of the day at at home while you're out driving, while you're, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, it was a, it was a, it was, I was conflicted by it because uh, on one end I was pulled journalistically to want to understand who this guy is. And in fact, Hawken and I had spent a lot of time talking about the, you know, there's kind of a dark interest in understanding why someone who's done such patently awful things, you know, why, why he does that. So, and, and it's really important to understand that if we go back to the idea of preventing someone from becoming like a, a warhead. So on one hand, I was really deeply interested in trying to figure out how this guy's mind worked. Um, but then, of course, the rest of me, and I have a young daughter at home, the rest of me was, um, I just felt a huge amount of like kind of depressive anxiety about having to to deal with this guy. And, and you know, I, I felt like I had to walk this very fine line. I had to walk this very fine line um, between, um, behaving towards Ben in a way to win his trust and, um, and being an objective journalist. And I felt like in order to, in order to open him up, I had to get a lot closer. It's kind of like, you have to go behind the, you have to go within the cage. Emotionally speaking, I had to go within his emotional territory, which is a really uncomfortable place to be and just listen. Right. But the, the whole key with Ben was letting him, letting him talk enough that he built a portrait of his internal world. And then that just stood on its own. It was really different than having to do like an accountability interview in the sense that I didn't, 
questioning him too hard would have backfired and he would have just kicked us out of his trust, right? So I just had to sit in the cage with him, so to speak, and listen to him talk. And enough material came out from just him talking openly that we got a really clear sense of this guy's massively distorted worldview. But that was really, that was really tough. Like I, and I found I had this kind of like, I'd compartmentalize those conversations. Um, I, I think a few times I'd call Chris and be like, oh my God, you like, holy shit, you will not believe what this guy's talking about. But I also had this weird thing where sometimes I'd talk to him for like an hour or so or more, like a couple hours at a time in like 15 minute installments. Cause that's all his jail would let him call at once. So he'd call mm. back and back and back and I'd talk to him. And sometimes I'd be like waiting outside my daughter's school, waiting to pick her up from, from her daycare. All these kids would be walking past. And at some, one point I remember really distinctly kind of sitting on the grass with my back against the chain link fence, listening to this guy, knowing the call was being recorded and talking to him in front of a school. And I was like, this is crazy. Like to be hearing wow. the things he'd talk about with these beautiful, innocent, wonderful little people walking by and, and being inside his head and seeing how he saw them. I was like, this is fucked. It's crazy. Yeah. And then I would have this thing where I would almost immediately not remember what he told me. Like my brain was shutting down what he, and I'd actually have to go back and read the transcripts and be like, oh yeah, he did. Cause I, I had this, this journalistic worry of like, did I ask him about that? Like, am I covering this story? Okay. And then I'd go back and read the transcripts and be like, okay, yeah, we talked about that. That's good. That's good. That's good. But I would like flush him out of my brain. And then sometimes I'd have to go to the gym and just beat up a, a punching bag and I'd be so angry. And, and the final story I had is that, you know, I felt like I was dealing with it pretty well emotionally, but then I watched this movie called Room, um, which is a great movie, by the way, and it it has to do. It's not about um, it's not about uh, internet child abuse, but it's about a, a, a woman and a child who have been kidnapped and held in captivity. And I got about twenty minutes into that movie, and I saw this guy just treat this kid roughly. That's, you know, it's a fictional story, but um, when I saw that, I flipped out. Like I started weeping, and it's like all of the interviews with Ben Faulkner just came out and my wife was like, what is going on? Right. But I was just so angry. I was like so angry that people could treat kids this way. Um, so yeah, it, it did affect me at the same time. I had these guys and, and, and the fact that we were doing something I felt like was a, a solution, like at least mm. it, it, it really helped me cope with that frustration and, and, and anxiety and, you know, anger for sure. You were so measured though. And I remember commenting on this to Ollie, how throughout the whole podcast, those interviews that you mentioned, which we only saw snippets of, I was sitting there and my skin was crawling and I was like, how did he, how did he persevere and not, not just say something and not knowing that you were having those conversations behind the scenes makes me feel a lot better because I was just like, he's, he's a stone wall. He's obviously like, um, yeah, you yeah, were so impartial through it all. And then I loved how at the end of the, of the series, we got a little bit of insight into what you actually thought uh, about Ben. Um, I thought that was really well done the way the way that you guys presented that um, that view. Thanks. We we talked about that a lot. Do you, do you guys remember kind of that deliberations about how much of my personal view we put in? Uh, that that was we spent a lot of time kind of contemplating how much of that to stick in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember we we talked about that, but uh, I've been. We felt it was important, you know, to to let people hear, you know, how how tough it was for you to to talk to him. Yeah, I was, I was so glad that it came in at the end. I, I was so appreciative that I heard it at the end because it made me feel a bit more normal about all my judgy opinions that popped up through the podcast, where I was like, like tut 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 and shaming. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I, th- I think we also, I, I think like near pretty much near near the end of the the process where we're doing the final final touches. I, I think we did add a line near the beginning of that episode, like saying what, what Damon was saying earlier, that like this, this is not an accountability interview. Like we're not going to go after him and try to, you know, make him understand how evil he is, you know, in, in, instead, like this is just, you know, a window into his, his mind so that we can better understand him and hoping that listeners sort of carry that throughout so that it doesn't sound like we're giving this guy too much of a, a platform and, and so that people understand why, why we would be presenting his, sort of his warped worldview. And, and I think it's worth mentioning too, that, that that goes against, I think everyone's emotional um, desire, right? Like you, you hear, you hear the first thing that a, a, a predatory pedophile does like that. And you want to just call him out. And that makes perfect sense emotionally. But I found it really interesting looking on the other side of this project to see that, you know, just listening to him, just 
hearing him out actually gives you way more information and way more damning information about him. But, but it it allows us to go inside the problem at a level that you can't go to if you automatically just shut down the conversation. And that's part of the issue in, in a, in a grander scheme. It's part of the issue with pedophilia and internet child abuse is that because we have those very understandable, natural, uh, emotional reactions where we don't want to hear about the story. We don't want to talk to these people. We want to shut them in the dark, we don't understand it at the level we need to to solve it. So, it, it, it was it, it it did go against our grain emotionally, but I think in the end, um, it, it works better just to let him talk, right, and then call him out on the things that he needs to be called on after. You know, what you're talking about now is is journalism, really. Uh, I mean, we are not we are not there as ordinary people who are you know who want to you know hit hit them on the head and and you know present our own morality. Uh, we are there to try to understand who these people are and 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 why they're doing what they're doing in order to prevent it. So uh, I mean, we we have to remove our our personal story uh, to be able to 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 report correctly on it. It's very well done. Yeah, j- journalism uh, and and also storytelling, right? The whole idea of show don't tell. People, you give people so much more by showing them rather than telling them how to feel. Because I don't think anyone comes away from this thinking Ben Faulkner is a great human being. You you like um, Clarissa in Silence of the Lambs? <laughs> you have to get really yeah, close yeah. to. Yeah, it kind of felt like that at times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be creepy if it hit you with one of those lines? Um, <laughs> yeah, he said so, worse things. Uh, I, I bet. I, I did wonder though. Was there anything that hit the shop floor that you had hoped would have made the podcast? Is there anything that you were? I don't know, told not to put into the podcast or weren't allowed to put in or you decided last minute to take out. Um, from all of your perspectives, I'd like to know if there was something that you really would have liked to have seen make the final edit that didn't, if, if anything at all. Well, I don't know. Like You guys can talk more about this. But uh, but yeah, we when during our initial reporting trip to Norway, um, we, we met up with um, someone who Hawken had been in, in touch with, um, who was someone who you know, was an admitted pedophile who had been, you know, looking at these images, downloading these images. Um, according to him, he had never acted on these, these feelings, these, these impulses. And, um, when we, when we met with him, like he was, and I don't think it was just an act, like he, he was one of the most broken people that I've ever seen. And like, he was just talking about this and it wasn't, it wasn't something that he, wanted it was just sort of this this weird compulsion that he he he, had, he says he had tried to stop um like he talked about you know having a cache of pills that he could take to to you know kill himself if 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 the police were if he ever thought the police were going to come after him he talked about trying to get help and and not being able to um and uh it it was something that really sort of changed um my outlook on on the story and on 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 the many 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 people who um who download this stuff um and uh it just wasn't something that we managed to fit into the larger sort of storyline of, of of the series and uh you know i think we you know we had these these outlines before we would start scripting and i think it started in episode one and then we thought well this isn't really working we moved it to episode two and it just kept getting pushed out um but uh yeah, it was it was a really impactful um, meeting. I don't know yeah. if you guys want to say anything more about that, or we. I mean, we. I'm. I'm. We're still in touch, uh, actually, um, and uh, and uh, I agree. I mean, that's the story. I really one of the two stories I I would like to have uh, in the podcast. Um, and he's he's arrested now uh, and has tried to commit suicide. Uh, but he oh, he's wow. he's and yeah and. Uh, He's getting a divorce because, uh, you know, because of what he's done. Uh, and, um, but at least he's finally getting help. Mm. And he, he has, uh, but, but I mean, he, he's very, um, it, it, it's very, it's, I mean, it's interesting to talk, talk to him because, uh, he's very well aware of, of, you know, how, how bad it is for, you know, him and his family and, and the society, um, you know, to download child abuse material. Um, mm. but I also think it, it would be interesting to have, uh, I mean, we 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 were in touch with um, the guy called Deadpool, who who started uh, this mm-hmm. this uh, child abuse website on the darknet with uh, together with Warhead uh, Ben Faulkner, and 
I think it would be really interesting to have him also uh, on yeah. on there because uh, Faulkner he got uh, he got life. Uh, I mean he'll he'll never get out uh, because he was he was arrested in in the United States. Uh, Deadpool uh, he was arrested in Canada mm. and got five years. <gasps> so, wow. Yeah, so so he's out. Um, and uh, I mean from from what I I could see it. I mean, they they were both in on you know planning the whole stuff uh, and and making the this website. So it's uh, I th- I think it I mean it would be an interesting contrast uh, mm-hmm. you know to to have to have him and and for me it's also interesting to 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 see you know how how will things go with Deadpool? Uh, what what's the future for him now? Yeah, yeah, fascinating. How about you, Damon? Was there anything particular other than what the gentleman has spoken about that you thought? Would it be interesting to keep in? Well, I, I, I again, like the, these guys, I thought that that guy's story was, uh, it's funny because I, shortly after, like just as we were about to launch uh, the series, I gave a talk and uh, and I talked almost exclusively about that guy because it was one of those stories that it was too, it was, it's almost a standalone story. Like I could hear a documentary about that guy's life, right? So it was too big to contain within uh, the series, but it was so important to the series too. So I, I, it's, it's, it's like that, you know, they say you have to kill your darlings telling a story. That was definitely, I think, a darling for all of us. It was just a, a really compelling story. The other thing I had a little trouble with, and, and I really depended on Chris and my other colleagues at CBC for was as I was, uh, talking to Ben Faulkner, like we put in, we put in the least offensive stuff he said, really like the, the amount, and I won't talk about any of it here in any detail, but he said things that were so offensive and disgusting and infuriating that I, I, I remember like some of the first scripts that I'd passed to Chris would include details. And Chris was like, I, I really think we should probably not do that. And I felt compelled, like, but the world needs to see how bad this dude is. Um, and in the, in the, in the end, less was more like, because of course, I think if anyone hears this, particularly, you know, with something in your ears, it's so offensive that you'll just turn it off. But I fought, I really fought with this compulsion to, um, I have a pretty high tolerance for terrible details. And I felt like people needed to know, people needed to know all the things he was saying and doing and thinking. Um, but, and so it's not that I have any regrets that those aren't in there, but I certainly fought with my impulse to want to share these details um i know ollie would have been one of your your audience members who would have just absorbed all of that all of that terrible detail information i know ollie right you um you tend to take all that stuff on board and i can really empathize with what you're saying because when i used to work in the clinical setting and i happened to be a samaritan at the same time the advice was always the same was to divert them away from their fantasies or the things that they have done and try and focus on their drivers and how it makes them feel and try not to let them go into detail about the things that they want to do or the things that they have done because it's so egregious and I think that's done partially as well to protect the psychologist or the Samaritan who has to listen to this because it's just so upsetting to listen to and I know that it can have a real personal it had such a personal effect on me that I left clinical so that's how how much I couldn't bear it wow it's interesting Ollie like the the one of the things that we learned when we were talking to some of the the forensic psychologists particularly uh, a guy with the U.S. Marshals in the states was this idea that an offender like Faulkner would use would get uh, his jollies by retelling stories and stuff. So this is something that I was thinking about a lot when he was talking to me because part of it was like, well, I, I want this information so I can tell a story, but the other part was like, am I just enabling his um, pathology here, yeah. right? Because they don't get a lot of experience to talk about it. So when they get the chance, hence why these websites are so popular amongst them, because they're free to talk about their dreams and fantasies and past experiences and the things that they've enjoyed. And yeah, I think you definitely had the right approach in terms of just letting Ben speak. I was interested, did you ever get to speak to Patrick Fawlty or was it just Ben? Uh, Hawken has uh, communicated with him. Yeah, yeah, I've, um, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've, 
I wrote letters to to both uh, Ben and and, and Patrick. Um, uh, I, yeah, for some time before we started this this uh, the podcast. He's also, I mean, he he's not having a good, a great time uh, in prison really. He, I, I think he is struggling more um, with with what he's done uh, than than Ben. Uh, I think Ben is more trying to say justify uh, what what he did, and 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 Patrick is having more yeah mm. problems with it. Mm. Mm. Well, gentlemen, I know you're all extremely busy, but off the back of Hunting Warhead, I've seen that you've all been working on various different projects and you've had lots of things on the go. I know Ollie and I just finished actually reviewing Brainwashed um, today, Chris. So that's, that's another one that we're adding to our, our list that'll be coming out soon. Damon, you're, you're obviously an author as well. So talk to us about some of the projects that you've done post post Hunting Warhead and, and maybe what you've got coming up in the near future any anything you can talk to our audience about what we can expect from, from you guys or what we can look forward to sure um well right now i'm back with cbc podcast and i'm i'm working with chris as part of the podcast development team there and um so we've got a bunch of things that we're mulling over and and developing <laughs> uh in the summer before that or sorry i guess in the in the winter and spring now before the pandemic really hit i was doing a series with nbc but i had to quit that job to stay home and take care of my daughter uh, my wife is a physician so her life got pretty hectic with with covid so i took a bit of a hiatus over the summer and then um, started working back with cbc uh, at the end of the summer yeah. awesome cool how about for you, Hogan? What have you been up to, and what have you got on the cards? What's on the horizon for you? Ah, uh, well, uh, I, I'm back to uh, being a ordinary documentary journalist, working for for uh, VG, my newspaper. Extraordinary, um, yeah. Let's go with extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you have to. I mean, this is this has been an extraordinary story, uh, you know. Um, so it's it's hard to to go back to to normal life after this. But uh, but I I have a few interesting stories, but uh, I guess mostly for the Norwegian uh, market or reader readers. Possibly something coming up in half uh, half a year or something. Uh, but uh, I mean, still not sure. Any more podcasts? Uh not so far. No. Well, I, I think um, I, we had been invited back to Norway for a uh, investigative journalism conference, and uh, I think there was some talk about us uh, speaking to some of the higher ups at VG about potentially developing your your podcast arm because I think I think you guys do have some some chat podcasts that you do regularly but oh yeah I mean yeah, I, I mean we we have started I mean VG as a newspaper has have started you know our own podcast uh, department I, I mean, for the last half year I think mm. fantastic yeah awesome and how about you Chris what have you been up to and what else is on the cards yeah, yeah. So, so brainwash was a big one, and uh, so so that was a lot of fun to work on. It was uh, a, a little bit of a bummer having the the, the pandemic happen and, and not being able to travel quite so much. We actually, I don't think we mentioned it in the podcast, but uh, Michelle and I were en route to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Oh no way! Um, at one point, yeah. So she she had been there quite a bit in the past, and uh, we were going to go down there to to do some interviews and and collect some sound um, and we actually made it as far as washington dc where you then you go to an army base where they they, they fly you in and uh, at the last minute we we didn't get clearance like it, it was i don't know politics were involved i guess like usually you're able to to apply within a month and, and get in but uh, i guess like our application was on somebody's desk and some i don't know if a journalist had pissed off some but the wrong person you know a few weeks before or what, whatever it was but for whatever reason we were blocked so um so yeah i mean uh i i'm really happy with with how the the, the podcast turned out and I'm re i really hope that you guys enjoyed it but yeah it was uh you know hunt, hunting warhead was was a experience where sort of everything went right you know we like we, when we began we didn't know if ben faulkner would speak to us, his family member who spoke to us in our wildest dreams. I don't, I don't know whether we thought that would happen. So yeah, so go, going from a project where you know the stars were aligned and everything went well to to one where there's a global pandemic, you know, was a bit of a you've set a the bar bummer. really high now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. many of the other podcasters that we speak to have mentioned Hunting Warhead as their favorite. I think oh, Mark Sanokanoko wow. from Maddie said it was one of his favorites, and Dan McHugh. It's been a real popular one 
and amongst the podcasters we've spoken to as well. And everybody talks about just the, particularly the journalistic quality was just so high. And then phenomenal, obviously, amazing. Damon, you have the most fantastic podcasting voice. It just brings this eerie feeling to the podcast that I think Thank you. most of us could only ever dream of recreating. And Chris, I have to say that so many podcasts I listen to that I wasn't aware that you were involved in and I get to the end credits and it says thanks to Chris Oak and I think he's involved in so many of my favourite podcasts that I have to be careful yeah. that I don't just recommend the back catalogue of Chris Oak's podcasting <laughs> library. Well, I don't know if it was, if your name was always there or whether it's just that Beta Meinhof phenomenon now that we've, you know, yeah. thoroughly investigated one of yours that now your name is like, oh, there it is again. And Guys, here's the scoop. A little bit more aware of it. Uh, Chris has just no. been inserting his name in audio. <laughs> He's never had anything to do with those podcasts. And Chris it's, Oak. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. But I, I, I do uh, I do cheat a little bit. Like I, I, I do a lot of sort of story editing and advising for, for shows. So, you know, How's like that the, cheating, dude? the produce well no, like the producers do the bulk of the work and then like I, I read through a script and make a few suggestions and, and uh This guy's the most humble guy in, on earth. It's not cheating, Chris. That's called work. You're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And what about after Brainwashed, Chris? Have you got anything coming up in the in the pipeline? Yeah, yeah. We um you know, it it would it would be nice to have some better subject matter, but but we do have one coming up about Peter Nygaard, who um is sort of a big deal in, in Canada. He's a uh, sort of fast fashion mogul, you know, millionaire guy who um had all these these uh, clothing chains around the world and has since um been uh there's a huge class action lawsuit against him um from a number of women claiming abuse uh he was down in uh, the bahamas and had really sort of like set up this he's he's accused of setting up this sex trafficking ring where like he, he would have these parties and women would come in and they'd all be photographed and and sort of raided and he would decide how very Jeffrey Epstein. Exactly, exactly. You know, he, that, that, that's our log line. He's, he's sort of the Canadian Jeffrey Epstein. But then it's, but it, it's, it's shocking. Like the, you know, it was these, these Bahamian women, um, who, uh, you know, like very marginalized, like often poor, uh, women of color who, who finally started speaking out about him. And since the initial, I think there was eight or nine women launched this lawsuit, um, there's been another 50 women and, you know, it goes back decades and not to ruin hopefully this is a tease rather than ruining the podcast but but like it goes back to canada and it goes back to it goes back in time and like you we we see all these points where you know women were speaking out about his behavior and what he was doing and nothing nothing was done and it allowed it to sort of grow and, and perpetuate in, into this yeah yeah wow just a bit of a yeah yeah canadian yeah, version yeah. of all of that yeah, yeah. So, so that 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 should be out in uh, in January. Oh, oh exciting! So, cool. Yeah, we we'll look forward to reviewing that one as well. Is there a name for it yet? Well, we're we're talking uh, like right now because he's he's a clothing uh, manufacturer. Where we're talking about the title "Evil by Design," but uh, some of the more journalistic uh, factions of of our department are a little bit worried about about putting the word evil into any title where we're not just presenting the the information but um yeah so it's, it's still a discussion but I, th I think right now evil by design um is cool. we'll look out the working for it. How exciting. yeah just a, a random question and how can you'll have to forgive me because it's been a while since i've listened to hunting warhead were you one of the journalists who came over to brisbane to interview the owner of the server yeah, yeah, I, I was, uh, I was the one who flew ah. over. Uh, yeah. Can you remember whereabouts in Brisbane or which burger bar you were in? <laughs> Only because I'm in Brisbane at the moment. Oh, you are! Oh, it's a great city. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's uh, go to the police headquarters and then there's the burger bar closer to the center. I mean, just left of the police headquarters. Okay. I don't actually know where the police headquarters is, but I'm going to go, and on, walk, I'm going to go and walk past it. I think it's road. on Adelaide street. Oh, I think oh it's on Adelaide okay, street. cool. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, how exciting. Ollie's literally staying down the road from it at the moment in the hotel. So yeah, I think those, uh, those, uh, yeah, those, those few days uh, in January, uh, it's, I'll, I think I'll never experience anything like that ever again. It's, uh, it was, you know, combination of absurd and absurd and crazy, I guess. Cool. And what a hook to start a podcast with! Yeah, absolutely, and and uh, and you know, flying there with with you know just an IP address and and uh, not knowing if if I would get out get any information 
from from you know the police or or the, the you know the server people. I'm really proud uh, of, of working at a newspaper who you know felt felt that it was important enough to you know send me across well to your city. So did you go to Sydney first and then to Brizzy? Uh yeah, first Sydney and then uh, then when we heard that uh, it was run by the police in Brisbane, we I, I flew there. Uh, the day after. And are, are you still in touch with Paul Griffiths from Manchester? No, no, I've I haven't heard from them. Uh, I haven't heard from 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 uh, neither of them, John or Paul, uh, for you know many years. And I mean, they, as I said, as I say in the podcast, they they said that if if we publish uh, the story the way that we wanted to publish it, then we wouldn't hear from them. Uh, and they they have kept their their promise so far. And and it, yeah, yeah, I I know it it really makes me sad because they are. I mean, they are my heroes. Really. Mm-hmm. The way that they have been able to, you know, to investigate and and to be creative and 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 brave and and do the work that needs to be done. Yeah, I reached out really... to Paul and he didn't get back to oh, me, so did. I wondered. Yeah, oh. but he didn't respond. Have you, oh, have you so have you talked to him before? No, no, I just thought I could try and use my Manchester connections to see if he would be happy to talk to us, but he didn't respond. Oh. Uh, well, and, and interestingly, I don't know if you saw, but on the news. Two nights ago, the the pedophile ring that was shut down in Australia. Do you guys you saw that? Yeah. How many was yeah. it? Like um, seventy people or something, wasn't it? It was a lot of. The number I saw was forty one, but I think were, it was growing. They were they were still releasing more information, so I think it was just getting larger and larger. So yeah, it was seems to be definitely uh, something they're focusing on in um, terms of the police force over here. So you've been a part of some amazing work. Yeah, I think it's so brave of you to have chosen this topic and shining a light on something that people know occurs but don't really understand the inner workings of what's involved and how many people would are needed to bring down a ring like that. So I just applaud you all on the work that you did because I think it was so courageous of you to bring Hunting Warhead to the world of podcasts because there really is nothing like it. And I listen to a lot of podcasts and it's still up there as not only one of the best podcasts I've listened to, but still the most horrific I was just going to say, I, like, I think like in retrospect, it, it's, it's a type of story that is sort of best told in podcasts. Like you, you don't have to worry about images. Like, you know, if it was a, a, a TV piece, you'd have to find some way of showing an image of children or, or something. I do would have worked. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 And, and, and then also like, because people avoid, like to avoid this topic, um, you know, I, I think it just sort of left this, Amazing story because we, we we talked to some of our, our colleagues in news that, that had seen um, Hawkins' original reporting and they're like oh yeah we remember that and we were going to do something but then we thought well you know what's the point and like it, it's just like the the topic it, itself sort of makes even even hardened journalists sort of want to look the other way and I, I think that ended up being a a benefit for us that we got this this incredible important story sort of all to ourselves. Mm. It, it would I mean I just have to say that I mean, it, it would. <laughs> It, it, I'm so proud of you know having worked with with Chris and Damon uh, because um, and, and we are all uh, I mean we we, we all agreed uh, on you know on on how to to tell the story because I mean you you could you could tell the story in a really um, with all these gory details uh, you know in order to try if, if you thought that would you know attract the, the listeners but uh, but uh, I mean Chris and Damon they have I mean this really great sensibility uh and and understanding for for you know people and and humanity i i think uh, that you know this story wouldn't i wouldn't have been the same without them mm. i mean you're the go you were the one who made the story well no i i i think like we like especially right now where everyone's working remotely um like I think it was a huge benefit for us, and and we had to fight for this as well with with some of our bosses uh, to actually you know get the opportunity to fly over to Norway and and spend those ten days over there um, you know reporting and, and and spending time together. And I, I think because you know like that that entire time like every every day that Damon and I would be walking to VG's offices to meet with you, Hawken, like we'd be talking about the story, and on the walk back we'd be talking about the story, and over dinner we'd be talking about, and and so like I think the three of us we we managed to sort of 
I think just by spending <laughs> that, that amount of time together, we, we managed to get to a point where we were all sort of happy with how we were going to present it. It's so funny, Hawken, to hear you, like, because I think uh, certainly myself, I think Chris and I both feel the same. We feel really privileged to have been able to work with you and, and your colleagues at VG. But it's funny to hear you say like, oh, we made the story because the way I felt was I felt like I felt like a guy who worked in a museum and Indiana Jones came and was like, oh, I found the, <laughs> the lost ark. Do you guys want it? I was like, oh, yeah, well, we could use that. <laughs> like, and so we just, you know, we created this nice display for this amazing thing that Hawken reeled in. So, you know, and there's an art to obviously you know, we spent a lot of time figuring out how we tell this story, how we extend the story. But really, like the the amazing thing was this collaborative mind meld that happened where, you know, we didn't know each other. Uh, I hadn't worked with Chris before. None of us knew each other. And we were able to focus in on on the story and the, the values of the story and the sensibility of how we told that story. And so in there was this interesting thing where it, it went from print into audio. And we had to do this kind of transmogrification to retell the story in audio but it still felt this incredible continuity in terms of values. And it was this kind of seamless handover of the project. And, and Hawkins, to his credit, like he wasn't, when, when Chris and I kind of ran off with the story and started scripting, we were just working the two of us and then we brought it back to Hawkins. And so we had this anxiety of like, oh God, I hope this is, you know, represents the story well. So it was pretty, it was pretty amazing, but it's so funny to hear you say that Hawkins, because I was thinking of your, this is your story, man. We're just like, we're just letting mm-hmm. people into punching people's tickets so they can look at the the lost ark that you found you know <laughs> yeah i think so, it, i think it helps that we're, we're you know we're norwegians uh, i mean I, yeah norway and canada we're almost the same place uh, <laughs> it's inspiring to hear how hum- humble you guys are and how aware of how integral each of you were to the process so that, that really comes through that's a really nice analogy of Indiana Jones, we'll have to start calling you <laughs> Indiana Hoidle from now on. Exactly. <laughs> I think everyone to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, before we wrap up, I really wanted to get a podcast recommendation from each of you. So we um, ask all of our guests to try and stump Ollie with a podcast that you think people should listen to, and see if you can find one that she hasn't already listened to before. But a good one. It's very, a good one. It's very rare. Yeah, not just any podcast, like a good podcast that you recommend to people that you like, and just want to see if you can stump. Our, uh, our resident podcast pro. Chris, you're the best one to uh, do this, I think. It must be because it's so early in the morning. I'm drawing a bit of a blank. I, I listen to far too many podcasts. I think the one that's that's coming to mind is uh, the podcast Dead Eyes. <gasps> have, you, have you heard about no, that at all? I love it when this happens. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think... The, the 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 thing that appeals to me is that it's it's sort of like a true crime investigative series, but it's about something that's completely silly and unimportant. So it, it's an actor actor comedian who was supposed to get a small bit part in the uh, TV series Band of Brothers, but then Tom Hanks came in at the last minute and asked that he be removed from the project because he had dead eyes. And uh, so the 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 series is him you know, reconstructing this moment, speaking to people who were involved in the casting process, speaking to, you know, other people who were in this the, the series. I think he's he's hoping to build up to an interview with Tom Hanks if that ever happens. It's uh after working on on, on so much, you know, sort of like heavy true crime, it, it's it's great to just hear compelling storytelling with great characters and great people. Just sort of use use that structure for for something a little bit more lighthearted. Is that one yeah, by awesome. Headgum? Yep, that's great. it. I'm going to download yeah. and listen. Thanks, Chris. Okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend to try to stump you guys, but I'll just tell you about the, what I'm listening to now because I have a terrible short-term memory basically. No, <laughs> but I, I started listening. In fact, I sent Chris a a text yesterday being like, "Hey, have you heard Forest 404 from uh, BBC?" And uh it is I I'm 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 like I think I've got a couple episodes. There's nine episodes. Well, there's more than nine. So it's a, it, there's a narrative. It's a fictional kind of sci-fi narrative. And it's, I think the reason I like it is it's beautifully sound designed and it's, it's a well-written and really well-acted series. Every episode has two kind of corollary episodes. One of them is like a little four or five minute talk about, so this is, you know, sci-fi and, and story, but there's, there's always some interesting, significant issue embedded in it. And so there's this little like 
orbiting four or five minute talk about that issue. And then there's this also every episode has this corresponding soundscape. And because because sound plays an integral role in the unfolding of the story, like it's a, it's a uh, it's kind of a character in some ways, or it's a major plot point at least a couple times in the story that that soundscape is really important. And and they've like the sound design for this thing is masterful. So Forest 404 from BBC is my current recommendation. Just subscribed. Thank you so much for that, Damon. <laughs> so that's that's you've got two Ollie today. Two <laughs> new podcasts. Two. Just just pick something with Norwegian Hawk and it doesn't even yeah. have to exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I mean you're you're all listening to our political political commentators from VD, aren't you? Already? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Super subscribed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every morning. I mean yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I'm uh, I've been listening to podcasts for you know a long time, but I, I think I like more you know the boring podcasts like Thinking Aloud from 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 I think uh, Radio Four or something. Thinking Aloud, very British. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, you, yeah, 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 and and um, and I, I like sci- uh, science fiction. So there's Escape Pod, and you're nodding. No, I haven't oh, heard of that one. No, no. Oh, oh, I love that. I mean, I, I think I listened to it. I, I think it's, it's 13 years or something. So it's, it's, they have, uh, you know, one science fiction story every week. And they're, you know, up to 700 or something now. And they're, you know, some stories are not so good, but some stories are really great. Wow. And oh, then you have... Um, they will knock it over in a week or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, hardcore history, you know, five yes. hours of the Mongols and things like that. It's, it's just, or I mean, sorry, 13 hours. It's, it's fantastic. Love it. Yeah. I can't. James yeah. hasn't got the stamina for that kind of length. Of no, I'm, bu- no. I'm, building my, I'm building myself up to it. Definitely. It's um, been six oh. months, so I'm relatively still new. I'm taking baby status. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's, the, he's the ultimate storyteller, I think. He is. Yeah. No, Ollie's, talk- Ollie's talked about him numerous times. One of our old colleagues used to listen to him a lot as well. So um, he's definitely aspirational <laughs> in terms of where I'm heading with my podcast listening. No, I, I was just going to say, like, once you get into that, like, intermediate advanced level, like, I, I listen to all my podcasts on, you know, sped up like on on 1.5 he really speed he truly or, or double does. speed so yeah. so that that's how you that's how you really get advanced and and can you can you got to watch double speed though because sometimes the music i find it just yeah, takes this whole true. like I, I was like it's supposed to be kind of ominous music and it sounds like trance because it's <laughs> like um, <laughs> that's true so <laughs> so and, and for example there was a podcast we listened to and i tried to listen to it sped up called mobbed up and mobbed up's got this very it's about the, the vegas crime syndicate uh, and one of the gangsters is talking in it and he's got this accent and a real slow kind of way of talking but i listened to it sped up so he just sounded really normal to me <laughs> and ollie was talking about his voice being you know quite slow and drawn out i was like oh <laughs> didn't, didn't notice that <laughs> so um you kind of miss a few of those nuances when, when it's too sped up. so i'll yeah i'll keep that in mind though <laughs> so i just wanted to say a massive thank you for being on the call with us today it's been an absolute pleasure genuinely gentlemen a massive thank you for your time and again we loved your podcast we hope more people listen to it we think it drives a really strong narrative for change in that space and yeah we hope the right people listen to it and and some action takes place off the back of it so thank you so much for your contribution to the podcasting community thanks for having us thank you thank you for your time gentlemen have a good day yeah have a great day thanks take care see you later bye 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 a huge thank you to Chris Oak, Damon Fearless, and Hocken Hoidel for joining us on today's episode. We were over the moon that they decided to join us for an interview and really appreciate their time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure that you like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on whatever app you're listening to us on. It really does help other people find us. If you want to stay in touch with us, you can do so via our socials. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can also send us an email at myfriendhasnever at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you. As always, a massive thank you to MJ from Multidesign for our theme music. All right, James, I'll talk to you on the other side. Talk to you on the other side.